This episode contains mentions of rape and child abuse and abortion. Lainez begins with a prologue. Simplified, it says, So long as there is damnation in our civilization caused by laws and customs, artificially creating hell on earth and adding human fate to divine destiny, so long as the three great problems, poverty, prostitution and child abuse are unsolved, so long as social asphyxia is possible in any part of the world, in other words, so long as ignorance and poverty exist on earth, books of the nature of Les Mis cannot fail to be of use. This is Bread and Barricades, a Les Mis podcast about how some old French dude wrote about Trump's America in 1862. This episode, we're going to explain what the rest of this series is going to do why we're doing it, and how we got here. First, we're going to introduce ourselves. I said introduce. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want that immortalised forever, so... um... This is Grace. I use they-them pronouns. I'm a student saddler. I spend most of my time traditionally hand-making leather work for horses, and the rest of it, cleaning up after horses. Or being bounced about on top of horses, or being dragged behind horses. Or being very seriously injured by horses. (laughs) This is Stevie, the she, her, cis member of your cast. (laughs) I make latex fetish fashion wear, and when I'm not doing that, I'm your wholesome mom friend. (laughs) And, um, And this is Nemo, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm your moderator. I guess the most topical part of my bio <laughs> is... They, sp- they say, like, scrolling down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is that I am trans and am half Japanese. Wow, this is just really awkward. Okay. <laughs> I talk about Les Mis a lot. Um, it's maybe an obsession, slightly. Um <laughs> It's maybe a problem. It's maybe your entire conversational tactic. (laughs) Me on meeting new people. Hey, have you um, you? heard of Les Mis? (laughs) We also have Jade here in the room who is going to be our audio director and who, I will say later, designed our amazing intro theme and it's super amazing. Hello. (laughs) The silent sufferer. She says super, super loudly to try and catch the mic. (laughs) And um, behind the scenes, we also have Julian, who is going to be doing our business stuff and probably going to be answering all of your emails. This podcast is going to have two major elements, the first of which is Grace will be reading the actual thing. (laughs) And if you really, really want to read along with them, please, please do. I won't be doing that. (laughs) I'm not going to be getting into any of the... Lame is media. But if you don't have the time, Grace will be doing a summary. Be, I think it should be worth mentioning now, on the record, that I wrote a script for this. So anytime Grace and, and Stevie... Like, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. 
worst, the most artificial sounding thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I love this motherfucker, but this sucks. <laughs> and then I'll be doing the other bit of the legwork, which is paying to go into libraries so you guys can have the secondary sources that you, you deserve, <laughs> that you really deserve. Every old white man's opinion, I've got them all. I've got them all right here for you. You oh. can't see, but she's like flicking through a massive portfolio. Episode one, on yeah. 12 pages. Old white man, I don't like it. <laughs> I will be compiling all the sources that I use with each episode, so not necessarily everything that I read. And we're going to try and figure out a way to make some of those sources accessible for you. At least some of that is going to be behind a paywall. Not, I, we, as a future thing to consider, if I type out the exact quotes with the notes, the page number, you could pretend that you did all this research <laughs> that I've just paid to do for you. Maybe don't ever. If you're ever going to do that, just don't mention to your classmates. Oh, please don't that you've tell anyone. Yeah. To this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're gonna try, and, and like CB said, we'll you know pay do what we can. We're gonna try and do what we can to make it like so that you won't have to pay anything. Yeah. To like to learn. have the information that yeah. we're talking about. Bread and Barricades aims to be an intersectional and accessible edu-comedy podcast. By intersectional, we mean that our content is not made of the assumption that our audience is going to be cis, straight, white, um, able-bodied, or with a higher educational... Educational? <laughs> one of those. Um, <laughs> I wish I had one of those. <laughs> By accessible, we mean that we'll be doing our utmost to help people with disabilities access our cast. We will start with content warnings for our episodes and transcripts for deaf and hard of hearing yeah, people. That Julian is also going to be helping transcribing our episodes. So um, if you or anyone else you know would like a transcription, it should be very widely available. It's also going to be on the Google Drive. If you want to volunteer some time to transcribe at any point, I'll... I'll consider making a document if you if you say that you're interested or something and then we can sort of hook you up with an episode or something and then everyone might be able to volunteer some time or you know just to help make it a bit more community-led and a bit more accessible if you require any other modification please don't hesitate to let us know um, if we get anything wrong please again don't hesitate to let us know like immediately please immediately <laughs> yeah. as soon as possible <laughs> um our email is lamespodcast at gmail.com l-e-s-m-i-s podcast at gmail.com in one of my many other lives i'm also the content head or was the content head for last year's nine worlds which is um, a london-based geek convention which is focused focused on being accessible and intersectional and um, while we're making this podcast, we're going to be using the guidelines that Nine Worlds created. Um, I'm going to be linking that participation guideline on in the show notes. Um, so if you're ever interested in looking at it or using it for your own events or anything like that, I would heartily recommend it. Um, one big thing about Nine Worlds' as ethos is uh, nothing about us without us. Um, which means we, as predominantly white people, aren't going to be talking about the black experience or uh, assuming that we have knowledge that we don't have, um, or lived knowledge that we don't have. Yeah, I would say experience. Yeah, lived like... experience that we don't have. Um, 
I mean, we're all queer. I, I think it would be safe to say we're all queer. Um, but there are experiences that we aren't when, like, not trans women who obviously have a harder time in society than trans masculine people and stuff like that. Um, this also means we're going to be looking for a lot of um, people of colour as guests. Um, so if you love Les Mis and you're a person of colour... And if you love Les Mis and you hate racism... Yeah, you, yeah I mean, just come, like, at me um, or send us an email or do anything and we would love to have you on the show. Uh, I, I'll, I'll probably talk about it in a later episode, but I've, I've tried to talk about... Um, racism and whitewashing in the fandom before and it's really hard to find people of colour especially when you're just kind of scraping the surface for research and stuff but we really really want to try and find people so yes and and so an example of this one topic we'll definitely 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 be talking about more later is um how translation has a really big impact on how you view characters. Um, Stevie just made the best face in response to this. I'm sorry, um, I want an entire episode on the, like, you-to-thou change. Because oh, R.I.P. me, literally. Literally, <laughs> the change literally. between you-thou, anyone who just got excited by like. the, like, reference to the you-thou. <laughs> this is the podcast oh, for you. Boy. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh boy, do we have stuff for yeah. you. And I, and I think that fandom definitely deserves to have a, a a better starting point or a better to, to be treated yeah but a better platform because especially yeah. when i first started reading lamer's fan fiction that wasn't about the film but about the book and suddenly you had characters like Mischetta and Barrel and Philly, and I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> what are these French people? <laughs> and like, Confey and Kouferek, like, what's the difference between them? Who knows? Well, now I do. <laughs> who are all those C's? <laughs> yeah, like, what um, is the difference? We definitely got our education about these characters through fan fiction before, well, I read the novel, but then Grace hasn't read the novel, so... And pretty much everything I know is from fan fiction. Yeah, I don't know anything. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, like, an important thing to note, I think, now is how much do you guys know about Les Mis? Um, for me, I have seen the play four times. Four times, I think. Um, I could probably sing the whole way along to the soundtrack and frequently bring it out in conversation, like, probably every ten minutes. Um, I haven't read the text. I have read a lot of fanfiction. <laughs> there was a real dark time where I pretty much just read ER fanfiction. Oh yeah, and so like, an important distinction. Fanfiction between me and Grace. Grace means ER fanfiction. And I That's will... not necessarily true. I love that good just whole wide layer me stuff. Like oh, it's yeah, fine. True. Um, you are just it's... talking about gay old men. <laughs> I, I will literally when I mean fanfiction I mean it's Valjean and Javert. Like Although we all come together on that one good gardening AU. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Stevie. Do we? Stevie. Do we all come together? It, do you have a link? Because Stevie needs to read it. Stevie's I'm... not allowed to know anything about anything. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Stevie doesn't know anything about Les Mis. I, I saw the movie one time. I don't remember a lot of that movie. So if you don't get any of the in-jokes, don't worry. I have no fucking idea what's going on. Side note on that, um, pronunciation is probably going to be a thing that reoccurs on this. Did I? I said 
pronunciation right. <laughs> yes. Um. Anyway. Um, so you should try so it. French. Goncourt. Goncourt. He's French. <laughs> Why are you asking me, Mark? Yeah. They say Hugo. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made fun. I was making fun of myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'll probably be like using him. Victor Hugo and okay. like very anglicized versions of the Emmy's names, like um. Um, Muschetta and stuff. I mean, I try kind of slightly. Grace okay. is slightly better. Stevie probably won't know what's happening, and I think I it'll did be French. Funny. Oh, okay. oh, I wasn't good. Oh, but I did it. Like, okay. I think I make up most of my pronunciations, but I usually say them in a French accent. <laughs> Again? <laughs> hey, Stevie, when's the library going to be open? Right, goddamn now! contemporary review from the brothers Goncourt, who were quite important at the time, said the lack of first-hand observation is everywhere painfully manifest and likened Hugo to those English preachers who harangue strollers in the parks on a Sunday versus the press, a contemporary French magazine who believe that the work is populated by characters who will enter universal memory never to be forgotten. So we kind of have a drag versus... This is going to be so good, guys. I I remembered when I was reading a lot about... Um, I, I did um, a lot on Middlemarch when I was doing my degree. And um, George Eliot, who wrote Middlemarch, who was actually a woman, but wrote under the name George Eliot. Um, she and her husband hated Lamez so much and they, they said the same thing like, oh yeah, it's populated by just nothing and nobody and he goes into all of these like essays about shit all the time and it like sucks. Was. But there is one great moment in it and it was the moment where Valjean like debates <laughs> spoiler alert. Um Valjean debates whether he's gonna reveal himself the first time, like, after being the mayor and whether he goes and reveals himself at Arras and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting to see. Yeah, the same thing was running, and it wasn't just like, <laughs> oh, we all love Victor Hugo, and we love Les Mis, and anything he writes will be golden. There's there's a lot, a lot. We're going to have an episode on Victor Hugo's ego. Yeah. And other people's view of their ego, because, oh my god, there's there's a lot to say. Apparently. <laughs> Ego, yeah, definitely. I mean, he wrote under the Elias Olympus, so... Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> That's when he named his dick, for sure. <laughs> oh You've got to climb Olympus. Oh, oh my god. Is there going to be a special episode on the mistresses, by the way? Yes. Also, like, can we just refer to the fact that whilst... Yeah, the the ego the size of Mount Olympus. Bear in mind, also he has a train station named after him, as well as like, if he existed now, he would be fucking thrilled to walk around Paris, like like the museum. Oh yeah, my God. literally All like these roads. <laughs> roads are named after him. A train station is named after How him. How many dramas? The Spanish mm. drama, Spanish, Mexican, oh, so many. Oh man. So there's got to be a reason for all that discuss. Because I don't know why. I just know that there's there's some strong opinions. Uh, I Okay, so I definitely think it's going to come... We're definitely, definitely, definitely going to do an adaptation yes. kind of episode. Oh, so many adaptation episodes. Yeah. Um, but I think these kind of opinions, again, come from... They, they come from 
people who maybe Lamez doesn't affect as much. I was definitely affected a lot because I saw the current climate. So we we mentioned in the opening how it's about Trump's America because if you read Lamez now, you can't help but see like Black Lives Matter and um, choice versus pro-choice, pro-life kind of arguments and stuff like that. Um, I've got a quote about this, okay. <laughs> but no one else is going to say it. I haven't read the text. But, I don't, I don't, oh, I don't, I don't, no, but I don't got, know. You, did you read the preface? Preface? Huh? Preface? I read, I read it. That's I don't know how mean. relevant it is to... Well, that's when he yeah. says all this mm. good shit about yeah. how much this is going to do for everyone. I don't know how much I agree with it. Like, no. I'm not gonna lie. Like, well, it, then like, fight it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know enough to fight it yet, but like, like instinctively, like some of it. Also, like, we super need to talk about like how prostitution is not one of the three great problems. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but I think it contextually, contextually, like, to what it is, yeah. to like how it is in the book, but like we also need to talk about like like sex work being. Yeah, but like, I think prostitution. Mm. Yeah, prostitution not being sex work, but prostitution but being, being like selling a, because I have no money at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that yeah. Kind of but thing. that's a conversation yeah, I think we need to have. Yeah, yeah. Hugo's stirringly dramatic tale of social injustice and personal salvation spoke to a century living in the shadows of the American and French revolutions. Yeah. Wow, so, at, yeah, at the time relevant. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, well, according, uh, currently relevant. Currently relevant, yes, definitely currently. And everything in between relevant. Yeah, I, I think, I think, like he says at the beginning, um, so long as these injustices exist, um, books of the nature of Lamez will always be relevant because it does talk about things. And even if you aren't a single mother in Paris who has been sort of raped and thrown aside by a man, like, you know, you can still identify with at least some struggles of, like, injustices in the work environment or um, being treated unfairly or, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it kind of covers the experiences of the vast majority of social classes from yeah. I mean like most of Les Amis being actually upper class boys mm. pretending to be with the exclusion of just uh Frilly and mm. uh Muscheta mm-hmm. who are like mm-hmm. classes uh, and obviously Eponine and mm. yeah it's a mammoth <laughs> sorry what I don't know how it's a mammoth. It's a mammoth metaphor for the intolerance of human injustice. I mean, <laughs> but I shouldn't say yeah. that in that tone of voice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty. So it's it's the miserables. Mm-hmm. Like, um, spoiler alert: if you've never listened or watched or read Les Mis, there's a lot of intolerance and injustice, and everyone is treated unfairly. And I think kind of a digression but not really 
one thing I want to talk about at some point is Cosette, especially in the musical. When I first watched the musical, I was like, Cosette, who the fuck is this? Like, some preppy girl who falls in love. Why is she the be-all and end-all? I remember a lot of Cosette-based aggression. Yeah, (laughs) and, and, you know, if you only watch the musical, you might you could be forgiven for just being like, you know, oh, she comes in, she bumps into a boy, and then she sings a love song, and then at the end she kind of gets the glory or whatever. But I mean, um, also gets to live. And also gets to live, in, whereas all of your faves are dead, kind of thing. If what it seems like, like, like faves, but also the, the people who fight against oppression all die. Yeah. But so, but I think the big point in that is, is that they have fought so that mm. she doesn't have to fight. Um, she, she doesn't have to fight. People have fought and died, and they have changed the world even slightly, just slightly enough that she can live. Um, I want to say a charmed life or a life where. I don't she... think you could ever describe Cosette as, as charmed. Like if you, well, you could. That's a lie, but. If you look at the, like the beginning of where Cosette comes from, like mm. it, she she deserves to have a mm. nice happy life, mm. and mm. she deserves to have a happy ending, and I think that's what's kind of relatable. Or I think Victor Hugo did a good job in giving us an ending where Cosette gets to at least be happy, because you know nothing changes until we get happy endings for people who have live through shit or nothing changes until people don't have to live through shit to have 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 a happy ending Mm. the ideal future heavily paid for by history the ideal future heavily paid for by history yeah yeah and that's yeah yeah Yeah. do you you want the little reference to the oranges oranges Oranges, oranges, oranges of Fontaine. In Victor Hugo's Things Seen, which is basically just a load of letters, I don't know if he's writing them to himself, just his general discussions, is some events that took place 1841. Hugo has this... Epiphany? Episode. 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 Origin of Fontaine, 1841. Uh, It's basically him recounting a time where he's out late at night, it's very cold, and he sees a young man throw a snowball at a woman. Um, So, of course, she sort of freaks out a bit, is like, why why have you done this? Gets a bit, I don't want to say hysterical, because hysteria... Women are so hysterical. But it would have been hysterical. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's really goddamn cold. And this guy has just, like, the tip of the iceberg. So, yeah, she is very upset. She, I think she did. Did they say attack him? Um, And he's he's just kind of watching this and is like, oh god, this, this is going down. He's attacking her back. A policeman stops by arrests only the woman. It says he's taking her in for six months, drags her off to the police station, and Hugo's like, do I intervene? And there's a, there's a good couple chapters where he's stood outside the police station and he's like, oh, but you know, my name's getting pretty big right now. I don't know if it'd be good if I intervened. But he looks through the window and she's in the cell, a complete state. So he finally is like, okay, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in. 
Does he actually do it? I'd like, I yeah, have so no he, idea that yeah, this happened. Yeah, so he actually like, goes in and is like, look, I saw the whole thing. It's not her fault, it's the man. Um, and initially the police are like, we, there's nothing we can do, we don't give a shit. Um, and a direct quote from him, uh, justice must take its course, to which Hugo replies, then this justice is a horrible justice. And it's only when he name drops his name that they're like, oh, actually, sir, we're really sorry, we, we, can't, we can sort this out. So he does actually get her out. From what I could tell, it was kind of a bit vague at the end of that. Um, he signed his de- deposition. I think she was let off. And it ends with this line that I will dig out for the Fontaine episode. That he's basically saying, she was so shocked to have a man do something nice for her that women are shocked by, like, kindness and shocked by justice. And I think you see a lot of that in the preface, maybe? Yeah, maybe you see that? In the, yeah. I've not read the preface. I mean, you see that, that like, that exact scene is... Word, that's, that word is for, that's word for that word. Actually that happens. happens to Yeah, that um, actually happens. The break, yeah. I read... But it is. Yeah, yeah, but it kind of... I'm now... It's... I'm super horrifying, like, for me that that actually happened. I mean, for me, uh, as much as Hedge Rivera is my favourite character, Jean Valjean is my favourite character. I love Jean Valjean a lot. And to... For me, what would Jean Valjean do is, like, a big part of my life. And suddenly I feel very uncomfortable with the fact that Victor Hugo, who, is, who like, stood out there being mm. like, oh, but my reputation versus mm. this mm. woman's life. Whereas Jean Valjean's... In this situation, Jean Valjean went straight in and said, what the fuck, you can't do this. Mm. But, you know, he does have the famous, like, who am I? Um, should I sacrifice my workers or my reputation? But it's not really about his reputation in that. But now I'm thinking maybe it is oh, kind no. of his reputation <laughs> and not just his personal life. So then how much can you read um, Victor Hugo into Valjean? I hope very little because, you know... It's... But also you've got to bear in mind that Jean Valjean is kind of an idealised figure. And I know you do some of this stuff in your writing as well, but seeing behaviour patterns in yourself dissecting them going what i just did is a like a wrong thing a like a weak thing that i shouldn't be able to do and to create a an idealized fictional character who can take that action even if you're not necessarily strong enough to do it yourself is still useful yeah so then how much can he be forgiven? How much can Hugo be forgiven for, like, literally being like, oh, my reputation versus this mm. woman? I mean, it's still the like, worst. Like, it's yeah. still the it, worst. Yeah, like, he did go in in the end. Because I, I got to the mm. point where he was like, oh, I don't know. And I was already writing my notes out, like, wow, this There's dick. Shit wow, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to read all this, st- this stuff by him. But he does eventually, like, there are several paragraphs of him... Yeah. Agonizing. But, then, but, then, but how much is that dramatized and how much yeah, is that like yeah. but if you're gonna mm. idealize yourself but then maybe he thinks oh it's unrealistic like i was like i saw a bad i fixed it yeah true but i i think um i think also what's interesting is right now at the time of recording we're obviously in the middle of this like weinstein sexual allegations like big Hollywood like um 
and so the line about the woman being so surprised that a man mm. chose kindness mm. kind of thing is again it's not even kindness it's, it's like decent decency, like decency. human decency yeah, yeah. like general mm. like being a good human mm. i think is again another reason why it's so relatable in mm. this mm. time and day mm. because these problems in freaking 1853 1840 um are still big problems in today's society in 2017 mm. like mm. this and I suppose not that I can speak from a male perspective, but from the sort of thing, the opinion, like the things that, you know, you're reading about mm. what men are saying about the Weinstein case and that. But that, how do I put my reputation in front of the, the needs of this woman? Yeah. That seems to be quite a big thing. Yeah, definitely. And that he could only really get anything done when... He like he had to name drop himself like he wasn't going to, yeah. uh, and then had to be like, I hate to say this, but y- you would know me, mm. and mm. he was known, and very quickly after that it sorted out that it, it takes a man in a position of power mm. to get yeah. something done. Can you imagine if like a woman, a woman who wasn't mm. of like a high status mm. had walked in when and been like, oh, this. I witnessed this? Mm. Well, other women in the prison were like trying to help calm her down like yeah. we'll bring you food it's mm. gonna be okay we're gonna like look after you but like no one gave a shit about mm. that mm. It's, it's it's like it's the exact equivalent of what people say about people in a position of privilege mm. being aware of that and using that to help people in a position of oppression like supporting like, their voices and lifting white it, like, allies need to be there for yeah. black people mm. and mm. well you know uh, I'm a person of colour, but mm. I don't have dark skin, and, mm. you know, I should use that privilege, even though in some experiences I do, like, face racism and stuff like that, I don't have the same experiences as black and brown people, and mm. I need to face up to that kind of injustice, and um, straight people and cis people need to stand up for their trans and mm. gay um, allies, because, you know... You're in a you're position, in a position where your privilege. voice will be listened yeah. to. Yeah, and, and people are more likely to listen to Victor Hugo than mm. to the random queer of the street. Mm. Mm. Um, I, so, yeah, I think that was a good first discussion. <laughs> we covered a lot of topics, I guess, um, mm. which, again, the preface talks about a lot. Um, so injustice and making the world a kind of place... Um, any last thoughts from you guys? So far, it doesn't seem mm. so bad. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, it helps with the the contrast between Victor Hugo, the human, and the, like, the characters in Les Mis as archetypes of what they portray, like, what they're built to show. But again, I haven't read the text yet, so cannot wait to encounter some real human beings. Yeah, <laughs> like, where Jolie has maybe yeah. zero lines. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, so that's going to do us for the first episode. Um, this podcast was produced by me, Nima Martin, and Julian Yap. The audio direction and intro composing was by JD Wasabi. You can find us... Um, at Lemis Podcast on Twitter. 
our Tumblr is breadandbarricades.tumblr.com. Um, my personal Twitter account is at Zeus underscore Japonicus. Um, it's all going to be written in the show notes, so don't worry about trying to spell that. We also have homework for this week. Um, this is really only for people who want to read along with us, which isn't mandatory. Um, but we're going to be reading the first couple of chapters of The Brick for next week. Um, that'll probably only be uh, the first three chapters maximum. Um, you're welcome to read on if you like, or you can only read one chapter. You could read none of it at all. Secondly, you can also download the theme tune of our podcast. Um, from Jade's website, which I will be linking in the show notes. Um, and third of all, thank you very much for listening. We're going to try and upload these every two weeks, so fortnightly. Whatever day this goes up on is probably the day that it's going to go up on every two weeks. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening. about this loudness and also I really love Javert so much. And I'm Javert. <laughs> you never my name. I have a whole book about on different versions of Javert. I'm so much like, in love. I know this is incredible, <laughs> yet, but this is the shit.